the three main things that we tried to focus on is, is the documentation accurate? Is the documentation clear? And is it readable? Meaning that are the is the way that we're presenting the information um, as unobstructed as possible? Is it very to the point? Welcome to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast, where Gowri Ram Kumar of Document 360 finds the best SaaS self-service knowledge bases in the world, and then interviews their creators. Let's get started with today's episode. Good day, everyone. Our guest today is Wana Ikaidi, Developer Documentation Manager at Big Commerce. Welcome, Wana, to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you so much. It's very sunny here. So um, we are, we've got finally some bit of sunshine. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Super. So, so please help us introduce a little bit more about yourself, Wana, and how did you initially get into documentation, please? Oh, sure thing. Um, so as you said, I'm Wana, and I am the manager of the developer documentation team at BigCommerce. And I originally got into documentation, I would say, uh, a little bit backwards. I originally started as a medical writer, and I was originally working in an anesthesiology clinic and doing a lot of case study reviews. And that's where a lot of my writing in a more technical context originally started, uh, as I moved through university, I realized that this is something that I would like to keep doing. So I went forth and completed a master's degree in technical communication. While I was doing that master's degree, I was able, luckily, to get an internship with a software development company. And I think that's really where I fully pivoted uh, towards wanting to do technical writing uh, in the tech space. Super. So I think uh, uh, that that's a good uh, journey to know, Wana. And uh, so what is your documentation process at BigCommerce and uh, which teams do you normally get involved? Mm -hmm. So our documentation process is based very much around uh, JIRA and going through uh, all of these steps. I would say that we adhere very closely to the documentation development lifecycle, um, which starts off with us procuring all of the information that we need to eventually design and develop the documentation. Uh, we go into the review process, um, go on to the publishing, and then finally ending in that constant maintenance space. So when it comes to which teams we're working with, mm -hmm. um, in most cases, uh, in, in yes, in most cases, we're working very closely with our product and engineering team. Um, we work with them to find out not only what products and features are coming out, but also in terms of timeline and in terms of priority and importance, because that allows us to more fully understand and plan what kind of documentation needs to be created for each product and feature and what our timeline around those really looks like. And in some cases, depending on the product or feature, we'll be working 
very closely with the marketing team. Um, in some cases, we'll be working with our learning and development team. And from time to time, we work with the customer service when it comes to something that we're wanting to offer more extensive support, especially when it comes to something in the developer space. Fantastic. So, so that's quite a lot of uh, teams to get interacted and uh, also get organized, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think what's really nice at Big Commerce is that uh, we fully understand and embrace that there are there's a lot of moving parts, there are a lot of teams, and there's a lot of ways that these teams can contribute to making sure that a rollout of a product is as successful as possible. So, in most cases, there the beginning of the rollout of that product starts with a what we call a go-to-market meeting, where all of the different teams get together, they learn about what's coming if they haven't known about it before, and we use these reoccurring go-to-market meetings to make sure that everyone's on the same page and to keep pace of all of the deliverables from different teams that need to be completed on time in order to make the product rollout successful. Fantastic. Super. So uh, I know there's lots to take in and work together, right? So how do you manage your documentation workflow, the NCA documentation workflow? Mm -hmm. So I would say that it is a balance really of two tools and it is us mainly managing in JIRA because I feel like that is the common language that a lot of different uh, teams speak. So when it comes to working from initiating the project to collecting information to creating the draft for the documentation, uh, all of that is really managed uh, through JIRA. That's how we get transparency into how long a process takes, where we are in terms of status. And then when we go over from that drafting stage to the review stage, I would say that we really have three main tiers of review that we go through. Um, The first coming from a peer review, um, just to make sure that in terms of organization, grammar, things like that, everything is very good to go. And I find that it's very nice to do that first so that when we move into that second tier of review, Mm -hmm. the technical review, uh, all that we need for the the subject matter expert to do is review for accuracy. So they're not distracted by grammar or by organization or anything like that. They can really cut to the heart to make sure that the information that we're presenting and the way that we're presenting it is accurate. So moving on from there, after we go through that second tier of review of the technical review, we move to that third review, which I would say is the editorial sanity check um, that's performed just to make sure that everything is as it should be. And when we preview it um, to see what it would look like on the site, everything there looks good. And I would say that that is when we move on to really using GitHub for that whole review process, just to, again, make it a lot easier for our subject matter experts to contribute to the review process. And it really makes it easy to go from review straight to publishing and also to manage the maintenance aspect of those doc- of that documentation moving forward. Fantastic. So, so I think you kind of partially answered my next uh, question as well. Like, what are the important factors you consider? Um, but uh, please feel free to add a bit more 
when it comes to uh, what factors you take as high priority um, when creating documentation for different teams? Mm -hmm. So the things that we try to keep in mind when it comes to, especially when we're trying to assess the quality of our documentation, uh, the three main things that we try to focus on is, is the documentation accurate? Is the documentation clear? And is it readable? Meaning that are the is the way that we're presenting the information um, as unobstructed as possible? Is it very to the point? So these are things that we try to look out for and things that we look out for during that initial tier of review, that peer review process. And that's mainly the clarity and readability aspect. Um, that next tier, the technical review, is really a focus on accuracy. So. These are the three things that we try to keep in mind as we're going through and assessing and making sure that the documentation that we're producing is as quality as possible. Fantastic. That, that's really good to know, uh, Uana. Um, I know um, you wanted to, um, uh, I mean, I know the API documentation, right? So I think during your career, uh, it has evolved dramatically. Um, so what innovations have you embraced since your time studying for your master's in technical communication? Uh, I think uh, it was in Central Florida, right? Oh, yes, that's correct. Yeah. So can you share some of your thoughts on uh, the innovations that you think um, has been introduced, especially around the API documentations? Yes, absolutely. I would say that the two main innovations that have come through since I've been a part of kind of the API space are, for one, that design first philosophy when it comes to API development. And I would say that this is especially useful when it comes to documenting because effectively what you're doing, and this kind of rolls into the next thing that I want to talk about, but effectively what you're doing is you're building the documentation for the API before you actually start coding anything. So you are able to get a very good idea of the design and that keeps you from building out something that doesn't completely work. And then you have to keep going back to the drawing board, back to the drawing board. And I really feel that the swagger or as it's known now, the OAS um, philosophy around that has really helped in terms of the design first philosophy for APIs because being able to use OAS files, those API spec files, that has that makes the documentation job much easier because now there are so many different tools that you can use to automatically create these API reference documents straight from the spec files. And it also makes it a lot easier to make sure that your documentation is timely, it's up to date, and you don't have these situations where the API is not behaving as the documentation is describing it because every time that there is an update in any of the features of the API, the spec file can be updated quite easily and that is automatically reflected in the API documentation that's external facing. So I would say that that in and of itself is are the two things that in at least in my time being a part of the API space, um, have really been major innovations. 
Fantastic. Great. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about your reporting um, uh, structure, please, because um, or can you help me with your current team? Like how big is your documentation team and how does your reporting work? Who do you report to? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Yes. So currently uh, the developer documentation team is comprised of four writers. So we're a small but mighty team. And what we really try to do in order to make sure that we're making the most use of each one of our writers is embedding writers with multiple teams, uh, maybe just a handful, anywhere from two to five teams, I would say, per writer. And that really helps is to make sure that any writer who is involved or embedded with the team gets a good idea and starts to develop a, a subject matter expertise in the doc set that they are supporting. So I'd say that really helps. When it comes to reporting as a team, who do we report to? Uh, mainly, we sit under the customer service department in mm-hmm. big commerce. So I would say that we report up to kind of that, that ladder. So the director and VP of um, of the customer service department. And really what we're reporting when we talk about documentation is in, in addition to that quality um, internally that we were talking about. So we're looking at clarity, we're looking at accuracy, we're looking at readability. So these are things that we judge internally for ourselves. And then we look externally with the feedback that comes in from our documentation to either confirm the quality that we think we're at or to use it as an opportunity to further improve the documentation that we have. So these are most of the things that we do when we're kind of reporting up that chain of command. Fantastic, super. Um, now, I I, want, I also wanted to kind of talk about uh, some of your translation experiences you have Mm-hmm. Um, so I know in your previous organization, uh, Indeed.com, uh, you did manage and create, uh, manage the creation and maintenance of external documentation, not in one language, but eight languages, right? Yes. So <laughs> can you talk a little bit about uh, that? Because I know it's not that easy having, um, maintaining documentation in such a number of languages, especially if the portal is not supporting you well enough. Mm -hmm. Yes, so that was quite the undertaking. Um, But I would say that because I was able to work at a place like Indeed, the resources that were available made it that much easier. So mainly when we were going through that process of setting up, how are we going to uh, translate all of this information into the targeted languages that we're focused on, we chose a um, kind of a CMS that would allow for kind of like this this multi-channel um, support effectively. So we'd have different sites for all of the different languages. And then we also had to go and figure out and understand, okay, the contents that we are translating is not going to be stagnant. Of course, it's going to be changing from time to time. So what is the what is the regular cadence that we want to establish when it comes to the changes that are being made 
the the lag between the changes being made and that translation and then the ultimate publication in all of these different languages. So luckily we were able to work with a translation third party that we were able to send off um, in a certain um, file format. So they would be able to just translate all of the text that we needed and send it back in that same format. And then we could upload that straight into the site, um, into the respective sites based on language. So, but we had to be okay. We really had to come to terms with the fact that some of the languages are going to be lagging behind a bit Mm -hmm. and we would have to um, determine, okay, when this, if, if the change happens, how important is this change? Is it something that is going to greatly obstruct um, all of our all of the rest of our audience if they're not in the, the I guess the primary language which in this case was English and determine is this something that can wait a quarter for us to translate and, and update in all of the subsequent languages or is this something that needs to happen now and that's really something that we had to decide on a case-by-case basis. So there were some times where we had an emergency translation that we did. And in some cases we were fine letting it uh, roll over into the next quarter. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> um, so I think the next question is somewhat rela- related to the multiple languages you maintain. Mm-hmm. So next coming to the other spectrum, Uh, I do understand that you did maintain different versions of the same documentation for not one organization, but for sister concerns as well, right? Sister locations. Yes, yes. So so how much time did you spend in tailoring uh, the work to their specific requirements? Yes. So this one was a bit more complex, I would say, because... Mm -hmm. um, in the organization that I was working in, where we had sister locations, um, this was a nonprofit, this was a, a blood bank. So we had to adhere to a lot of federal regulations that uh, can sometimes change as you cross state lines um, here in the United States. So I would say that in some cases, depending on the actual pro- processes that we were needing to um, that we were needing to document. There are some cases where in where we would say, okay, in order for us to maintain this as well as possible and make sure that we're not slipping in any one direction or or, or possibly exposing ourselves to maybe a federal violation because we're not being as strict as we need to be in one place versus another, um, we would find and locate the the most strict guidelines um, across the sister locations. And we would adhere to that because there's nothing risky about being more strict with something, especially as it pertains to health. Um, There were in some cases where there were areas of the process that were, there were guidelines in one state, but there weren't guidelines in another state or there were, contradicting guidelines for the multiple state, but one state was like particularly specific. And in those cases, yes, it takes a lot of time and it's really a team effort when it comes to things like this, because it's not necessarily a lone writer who's sitting down trying to figure everything out. We're talking with 
um, with lawyers. We're talking with um, our subject matter experts who are our um, actual physicians who are working with us. So we'll all get together, read through all of these requirements and determine based on all of the nuances, what kind of documentation, what are we going to document? What kind of documentation are we creating? And what sister sites do these things apply to? Mm -hmm. Super. So I think the last uh, couple of questions, I, uh, it kind of gives, um, I don't know, I mean, the level of um, involvement that is required in maintaining documentation at various languages and various uh, sites as well, right? So mm -hmm. it's uh, it's amazing journey. Super. Um, so I think um, uh, I would. I think uh, this is a very uh, appropriate question for you, Anna. So, in your opinion, what has been the most important innovation when it comes to document tracking during your career? Mm, that's a great question. Document tracking. I would say, for me, especially working more in the tech space now, there has been a very large movement towards open sourcing or making your documentation more open to the public, which I think is a very important move, especially as we get to a point where things are changing so rapidly mm -hmm. and you have um, people who are very invested in your documentation and, and want to help out and your documentation only improves as a result of that. So uh, I know that we're doing that here at Big Commerce, where we we leave our documentation open and we're very open to uh, issue submits or even PRs from people outside of the organization. But I think that's going to become a lot more common, and it's going to be a almost an a required way to make sure that your documentation is staying as up to date as possible. And in addition, you're getting more real-time uh, understanding of how your audience perceives your documentation and areas where your documentation could be more robust to fit the changing needs of your audience. Mm -hmm. Super. That's true. Um, uh, let, let's talk about BigCommerce a little bit more. Uh, I, I I don't think so I captured that point, but um, uh, is your documentation publicly available? Is anybody allowed to use freely or or do you want people to log in and um, and then access the documentation? Hmm. Yes. So our documentation is is free. It's free to use. It doesn't require a login or anything like that uh, because we want to make sure that it is as accessible as possible to allow for developers, especially to create any kinds of apps or integrations that will meld very well with our platform. So we want to make sure that that is as, as open and as easy to use as possible. Super. So I think that Come, makes me to ask you this question. So do, are you aware of any organic uh, search traffic being generated from your documentation uh, overall helping the marketing team as well? Uh, yes. So yes, we do generate organic search traffic. Um, I would say, I think the last time we checked, it was something like 50% um, as opposed to traffic that's incoming from uh, our other our other domains, like maybe bigcommerce.com or our support uh, site, because we're pretty well intertwined with those things. Um, and I would say that a lot of that comes in from people 
who are interested in, from a headless perspective, being able to integrate a front end that they want for their commerce site into the back end that is big commerce. So that's where a lot of that comes in. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Super. Uh, so I think that takes me to the next section, Uwana. Uh, so it's a rapid fire round. So um, I know you've got an ample amount of experience now, not only with one location, not with one, one language, multiple languages, multiple locations. So who have you learned the most about documentation in your career? Hmm. I would say that someone who was very instrumental, especially as I was first starting out, is uh, Tom Johnson. I feel like he has so much content and is so good at really going through all of the different situations where technical writing can get a little bit, um, I would say, obtuse or a little um, obscure, I would say. So I think especially starting out first in my career, uh, Tom Johnson's I'd Rather Be Writing um, website was instrumental in helping me uh, get on board with technical writing. Fantastic. So I'm sure you might have um, listened to his podcast series as well, um, uh, which we did, I should say, a few months ago. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Super. So uh, in terms of uh, documentation related resources, can you share uh, some that you might have got inspired recently? Mm. Um, I would say one thing that I have read recently, it was um, the Everyday Developer site. They recently put out, I think a month or two ago, they recently put out a an article titled Evaluate Your Docs Like a Developer. And that was by Adam Devander. And I feel like that was a very good article because when we, I find that it's easy to get into the mindset of, okay, when you're creating documentation, you might get into a mindset of you're creating documentation for for documentarians. And when I say that, you kind of have this idealized view of how your documentation is going to be consumed. Like maybe someone sitting down and reading through everything that you've written um, and with their undivided attention and everything like that. But what this article really reminded me of was to think about your documentation in the grand scheme of your audience's day. What else are they doing? What are they trying to achieve? And how can you uh, better structure your documentation so that you fit more comfortably into the hecticness that is the developer day? Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so one piece of documentation related advice you would give to your 20 year old self? Mm. Yeah, (laughs) I would say don't be afraid to ask the silly questions. So when it comes to creating documentation, I feel like there is a a lot of pressure to feel like you also need to, to know everything right off the bat. But the question is, is really where the quality of the documentation comes through. So when you ask what I would some people think are silly questions. What you're really doing is teaching yourself and making it so that you're a lot more comfortable and confident in the 
content that you're writing. And that really shines through when you create the content because you're able to kind of put on the back burner your concerns about not knowing enough. And then what you can really focus on is based on what my audience is trying to achieve, how can I make this easier? How can I make this um, frictionless really for them? Super. So be brave and ask more questions. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> super, super. So Wana, I'm, I'm sure uh, you have shared quite a lot with us in the last uh, 20, 25 minutes, but is there anything I missed to ask you or you would like to exclusively share with our audience today? Um, I think we've covered most of everything. And I think the only thing that I would add is understanding your documentation in terms of the developer journey or the developer experience, um, really getting an understanding, not just for what the developer is doing in terms of one document or one article or one piece of content, but really understanding the entire journey through really helps when it comes to guiding and creating documentation and ordering it in a way that leads them through that journey so that they're going from, this is the challenge that I'm facing to I've achieved this challenge and I'm, and I'm proud and I feel confident in what I've done. Um, really instrumental in achieving that kind of transformation is documentation that really understands what the audience is trying to achieve. Fantastic. So I think uh, once again, I, ca I can't thank you enough for sharing this amazing journey with us today. And um, I mean, especially around the API documentation and how should one uh, look after the uh, same documentation across multiple locations. So uh, thank you so much, Wana, for staying with us today and, uh, and, and sharing your uh, work experience and uh, some of the valuable advices you've given to us today. Oh, of course. And thank you for having me. Super. Have a good day. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Please head to iTunes, rate, and provide honest feedback on the podcast. See you next week.